Welcome to the latest episode of the MVP, the Mass Violence Podcast, the official podcast of the National Mass Violence Victimization Resource Center. I'm Dan Smith, the NMVVRC Director of Technology and Resources, and today we're going to be talking to one of my NMVVRC colleagues, the incredibly insightful Dr. Alyssa Reingold. Dr. Reingold is Professor of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Medical University of South Carolina and the Director of NMVVRC's Preparedness, Response, and Recovery Division, and she's one of the country's leading experts on traumatic grief. And that's what we're going to be chatting about today, traumatic grief, what it is, how it's different from other kinds of loss, and what we know about how to help people who are suffering from it. Welcome, Dr. Reingold. Thank you, Dan, for having me. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, it's always exciting to talk to someone who knows pretty much more than anybody else in the country about a topic, and so that's kind of exciting to me. Um, so let's let's sort of introduce the concept of, of grief and traumatic grief. Um, but I kind of want to start by differentiating it from other kinds of loss, right? Because most everyone is going to experience the loss of a loved one at some point. But what are some things that make losing someone during a mass violence incident unique? How is that kind of loss different? Well, sure, there's actually lots of reasons why it's different. Um, one being the sudden nature of the loss, um, the violent nature of that type of death, um, the volition or the you know the intent to harm. Mm -hmm. So the willingness that somebody you know with volition came and killed my loved one for whatever reason mm -hmm. um, that we often don't really understand. Um, having the media and public view around this type of mm -hmm. loss also makes it a little new, unique, mm -hmm. different. Say. If my grandma B passed away, mm -hmm. um, I don't usually have media and community attention looking at me during that time. That would that be pretty unusual, loss. yeah. Um, the justice system is another area that makes it unique and different. Um, for some mass violence events, their justice system is involved if their perpetrator is arrested and have to go through that process, mm -hmm. which for some then they'll have to relive a lot of what occurred to their loved one and what happened a year or two years down the road. Or every time they turn on the news and it's the or story is yeah. covered. Yeah. Um, then um, other feelings that sometimes go along with sort of that violent nature of loss and the traumatic nature of death um, that aren't typical for sort of normal, and I say normal very loosely, grief mm -hmm. reactions, fear, um, fear of future harm of oneself or other loved ones by mass mm -hmm. violence events. So there's other triggering events that can occur to bring up those symptoms or those emotions all over again. Mm -hmm. um, anger, I think, is very common. I was going to ask about that, um, yeah. And then the risk of developing, I think, more significant problems beyond just grief response okay. so and, we can and is that where is that, that where the the phrase traumatic grief comes in that that sort of or or I mean I, I guess I've heard traumatic grief as a phrase tossed around a lot um, but before we talk about traumatic grief maybe um, let's just talk about grief mm -hmm. um, when we when we talk about grief are we talking about an emotion is is grief somehow a, a disorder or a normal reaction, or is it somewhere in between? So grief is actually a normal response to losing a loved one. Mm -hmm. So everybody at some point in their lives are gonna experience grief mm -hmm. if they've 
love somebody, mm-hmm. which hopefully most people <laughs> in this world love love other we individuals. Hope so. Yes, um, and so therefore, uh, everybody's going to grieve at some point in, mm-hmm. in their life that uh, that's kind of. We live and we die. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a normal reaction. It's not an emotion. It's sort of grief is a constellation of emotions, thoughts, responses, physical reactions to losing a loved one. Okay. Um, and so it, it's normal. We all will experience it. But people may experience it in different ways. Okay. And that's okay, too. Okay. So, um, for instance, you know, a number of years ago, uh, Kubler-Ross was mm-hmm. one of the pioneers of Stages of grief, yes. anger, denial, exactly. bargaining. Yes. Yeah. And um, actually, she was somewhat misquoted because she herself probably also wouldn't say people grieve in set stages. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how people nowadays think about grief. You have to go through. You're not, you haven't hit anger. Therefore, you're not grieving properly. It's actually not true. That, right. I thought that the uh, science on that was like not entirely compelling. Correct. So we can experience bargaining, we can experience anger, but we don't all have to experience it. And so when everybody grieves differently from one one another, which can be challenging, even within the same family, Mm -hmm. might have experienced loss from mass violence, that family members could be experiencing that grief very differently, but both experiencing it, you know, like I said, normal. I don't usually like to use that term because... You know, but it normal can look so different. Be, right, it could yeah. be different from one person to the next, okay. and that's okay. Okay, so there isn't just like this is the prescribed path of grief, and if you deviate from it, it's clear that you are exhibiting some sort of pathology of grief or something like that. C- correct. So okay. usually, what I kind of say to folks in, in that first, especially six months, pretty much anything goes, um, mm-hmm. as long as folks. You know, some red flags, though, is if they have thoughts of wanting to hurt themselves or not wanting to live or wanting to actively harm somebody else mm-hmm. and want have intent to do so. Those are two areas that we need to pay attention to mm-hmm. to get some help with. But emotions, all those different things, thoughts, feelings, mm-hmm. they're, all, they're all normal and natural part of that okay. grief process. Cool. Well, that's a good explanation. Thank you. But, so now let's add in that label of traumatic grief. Is traumatic grief just grief that happens after an unexpected event? Or is there something about that phrase that connotes this is different or this is um, outside of even that very wide range of normal that you talked about? Sure. So um, traumatic grief, how I kind of define it, Mm -hmm. and there's little variations in the field, but it's, uh, I define it as a um, sudden violent loss. Okay. That could usually mean um, loss by homicide, suicide, car accident, or other kind of significant mm-hmm. accident or circumstance that makes that loss uh, violent in mm-hmm. some way. Um, and so folks that have traumatic loss may suffer from or struggle with the trauma piece of the loss, the violent nature of it, um, that might elicit other host of feelings like fear, um, intrusive thoughts and images about that type of loss, as well as that grief response, um, the the yearning uh, for somebody, the missing that individual. And so folks with traumatic loss kind of has this dual burden Mm -hmm. where they have both grief and both trauma 
responses to, okay. to the loss of their loved one. Well, that's really interesting. So that that's what, when people throw around that term traumatic grief, that's probably kind of what they're trying to convey more than just um, the, the kind of sadness and other responses that you talked about, but maybe some other symptoms that sort of go hand in hand with trauma go with that that sadness as well. Correct. Okay. All right, cool. Um, is there a difference in sort of the duration of quote unquote normal versus traumatic grief? If, if someone experiences a loss suddenly and unexpectedly, um, are they grieving typically for a longer period of time? Is it, is it slower for them to heal? So we actually need probably more research in okay. this area. Um, so just putting a plug <laughs> on that. But, um, but from some of the research that's currently there, it's been done in the past decade, shows that traumatic types of loss um, for those grievers that typically usually lasts a little bit longer, a more intense, a little bit longer. So if I were to, you know, like I mentioned, you know, lose my grandma B, be at old age, I'm st- I still may be grieving for her. And the research kind of shows for for natural loss that mm-hmm. recoveries after about six months is when you see people kind of getting back their new sense of normal. For traumatic grievers, it's usually much more extended. It's a year okay. to two years out that folks report having that new sense of normal. Mm-hmm. So it can be much more protracted. Okay. okay. Um, I mean, and I guess in some ways, in some ways that makes sense. I mean, you've sort of talked about um, traumatic as a contrast to natural. And I, I know that psychologists in general aren't comfortable throwing around right. labels like yeah. normal, natural, all yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, in a situation where there's traumatic grief, it sounds like the person who's going through that has more than just the loss to try to resolve. There are kind of the other issues, the feelings of safety, feelings of un- unexpected and unwanted reminders popping up that may reopen wounds and things like that or, or, or cause other emotions to pop back up. Yes, exactly. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, so from a perspective of, of a helper, um, what, and, and I guess first let's, before we get into talking about professional help, mm-hmm. um, are there self-help things that people who suffer uh, a, a loss in a traumatic, a mass violence kind of situation, are there things that we know work or that you recommend for folks who are going through this traumatic grief reaction um, to help them manage to th- their reactions to try and move them down the road to recovery a little bit faster? Um, yeah, I think there are some things. Again, everybody kind of grieves in different ways. So what works for one person might not work for another person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things is to have some compassion first for oneself and that it's okay to experience all those emotions. It's okay to feel sadness and anger and confusion um, all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just, you know, having some compassion that that is okay, that there is no one right way to grieve and recognizing that, to have patience because it is going to be a long road and a long journey to figure out how to learn to live with carrying that grief 
along. So, you know, people, you know, hear from family members, oh, you need to move on, you need to get over. And those mm-hmm. those sort of words actually are not helpful because mm-hmm. um, it's not something you move on from or you get over. You have to learn to live with mm-hmm. and carry that grief. Um, and so I usually encourage folks to take small steps, um, break it down. They don't have to do great big things, but just small steps to figure out how to sort of bridge back to kind of learning how to live in a different way Mm -hmm. um, without their loved one Um, and trying to figure out how what may give you meaning now Mm -hmm. so what was meaningful before it may not be meaningful now Mm -hmm. and so and and that may be hard to wrap your head around um, how to do that but you know trying to figure that out maybe that's Mm -hmm. doing things in honor of your loved one Mm -hmm. so um, I encourage people to get active out of the house to not withdraw people tend to want to isolate and withdraw so encourage people to get active and do things small things um, and, and what helps sometimes for people if they do that in honor of their loved one. Mm-hmm. Um, so they feel connected mm-hmm. with their loved one while they're living their daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mean like regular routine activities or something that may be a little bit more um, symbolic of their loved one? It could be either. Okay. So I'll give an example. Um, I was working with an individual whose loved one um, – she used to garden, but she didn't do that really anymore. Mm-hmm. But we talked about what her her daughter's favorite flowers were. They mm-hmm. were tulips. So we talked about her getting into her own garden and planting an area for tulips. Mm-hmm. And then it, in honor of her, love, of mm-hmm. her daughter. Mm-hmm. She then put a bench there mm-hmm. and then decorated it with some of her daughter's favorite frogs, mm-hmm. um, you know, like uh, decorations. And so that was a way then she felt connected with her daughter. Mm-hmm. But then it was getting her out of the house and doing something that also provides a little bit of, an, you know, enjoyment or respite, if yeah. you will, by getting her hands dirty in, right. in, in, in the soil. Some activity. So, yeah, just right. some, just not sitting around. So. Well, I mean, it, I think that's actually a, a wonderful example because I think sometimes when you hear, you know, it's important to make meaning out of, of a, a tragedy like this, I think sometimes the, what occurs to people is I have to do something large scale. I have to mm-hmm. start a social movement or um, some sort of foundation or agency. And not that there's anything wrong with any of those things, right. but it, what I hear you saying is it's not really incumbent to go to that level. Right. And it doesn't have to be meaning, trying to make meaning of the mass violence event mm-hmm. um, okay. or meaning of the loss. It's just finding current meaning in life now, mm-hmm. like my own, like what's meaningful and important to me now. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be related to the loss. Right. So, you know... And it could be volunteering and giving back, not related to the loss whatsoever, right. but that's what maybe helps me feel better helping somebody else. Oh, give give a in, purpose. Give a right. Yeah. Yes, a sense okay. of purpose. You know, so um, and trying to figure that out because people's sense of purpose change mm-hmm. and figuring figuring out what that is. For some people, tying it to their loved one can help mm-hmm. them kind of bridge that. Well, I don't know what gives me purpose. Well, what gives you purpose that's tied to your loved one's mm-hmm. memory? It may be a way for them to to engage in that process. It's really so, interesting. Um, other sort of things, I mean, there's a number, someone might say, well, that's just too much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so there could be other things like, um, you know, connecting with a support network mm-hmm. may be helpful for some people. Some people like to share and connect and feel like they're they're part of a larger group or mm-hmm. entity for support. Often for some people after traumatic loss, their support network, with who they found supportive before 
might not be the same people who they might need to lean on now for mm-hmm. support. And that might change. And that's yeah. okay. So uh, that's a very interesting point, And it sort of ties back to something that that you said that, that registered for me, that um, sometimes as people are going through the, the process of resolving traumatic grief, they get messages from others in mm-hmm. their family or their social network that, you know, shouldn't you be done with this by now? Or it really is time to put this behind you. And I wonder if there are messages that would resonate with friends of people who've lost loved ones who who might be listening or who might know someone who's going through something like this. What kind of advice to support systems do you um, have to share? Um, I do think from a like a support system perspective, a mm-hmm. you know friend's perspective, seeing your friend hurting, right? We don't like to see them hurt, so we feel this need to say something to make it better. Um, and often, sometimes, what we say can fall flat mm-hmm. and might not make it better mm-hmm. by saying something like, "Come on, just don't think about it. Move on. Let's go do X, Y, and Z." You're no fun anymore, right? Yeah. Um, for the friend might think that that's being helpful because they, they don't want to see their you know their their loved one hurting. Unfortunately, it can be very invalidating mm-hmm. and 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 have the opposite impact. So I kind of recommend first for them to, to recognize this is this is different type of grief, mm-hmm. and so it's not going to be the same as other types of loss. So it's going to be protra- protracted. So be compassionate that they're grieving and that's okay. Sometimes just saying. I'm here. So just like, you know, the presence of sitting with somebody or just the presence of being Mm -hmm. sometimes is all people need. Um, And, you know, you don't have to fix it. It's not something to fix. I think that's that's such a a, a good message. I mean, I've seen a lot of folks who have that sort of I really want to help. And so I think the way to help is by talking to the person about it. But maybe there are more practical things you can help with like hey um would you mind if i brought you a meal or um do you need some groceries picked up can i walk your dog um something that would relieve some of the other kinds of things the person and i realize that probably some of those activities we'd want people to be engaging in because we don't want them sitting and, and but there are i guess my point that I'm very inarticulately making is there are other things you can do besides like quasi therapizing your friends who might be going through this. Right. Yes. And I think that's, you know, just asking. And then I also encourage that more often than not, I think as a family member survivor might initially say, no, thank you. Mm -hmm. And I just encourage that friend to respect that, Mm -hmm. but then come back around Mm -hmm. in a month. Say hey, I'm here. You know? So it's not like a permanent rejection right. of. Just say, oh, we are no well, longer friends. Come yeah. to me. I, I'd encourage that you know, gentle, continuing to say, hey, I'm still here. Hey, can I bring you over some dinner? Mm-hmm. Would you like to go to the movies? If they say no, that's fine. And then a month later, maybe ask again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just that gentle encouragement and knowing that they're just here without judgment, I think, yeah. is, is probably. Cool. One other thing I wanted to sort of try and find a way in to, to ask you about um, was about, you know, we've talked mostly about grief as 
a kind of an adult experience here mm-hmm. when when an adult loses a loved one. Um, are there differences for when the person who experiences the traumatic grief is a child, a young person? Does traumatic grief look different in the young or, or anything like that? Uh, so kids can experience traumatic grief as mm-hmm. well. Um, depending developmentally on their age, it might come across a little different. So you might see younger kids um, demonstrate some of their thoughts or feelings. They're not going to verbally sit down and tell their parents, you know, I'm feeling kind of confused and angry right now. You know, so they have a hard time verbalizing what their emotions are. You may see it in play, perhaps come out, or in physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. They may complain of their stomach hurting more or headaches. And so they may express it a little differently because they don't have the words to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you know, they also often, often, are still struggling themselves with some of that loss. I think often as adults, if a child's not talking about it, we think that adults think that maybe they're not thinking about Mm it or they don't want to raise it the topic themselves because they're afraid that they're going to upset the child when Mm -hmm. in fact kids are, you know, if they've experienced a traumatic loss, they're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just probably aren't verbalizing it. And so I do encourage adult caregivers um, to not avoid the subject Mm-hmm. with kids because it's there mm-hmm. um, and to figure out ways to be able to talk give kids language that they can you know share what's mm-hmm. going on but not like dance around you know the parent shouldn't or caregiver shouldn't dance around this issue right with with you know i think that's gloves on i think that's just i mean as a kid person myself i mean yeah. i just think that that's such great advice uh, you know when we talk about other kinds of trauma parents are so often reluctant to bring it up mm-hmm. and to, to talk about it with with their kid for fear that, ooh, you know, I may not be equipped to handle what comes up or I don't want to suggest to the kid that this is something that they should be thinking about. But I think sometimes what's missed there is when the parent doesn't bring it up, sometimes the nonverbal message that that sends to the kid is this is not, not something okay. we talk about. Mm-hmm. This is not an okay thing for us to bring up. So if you've got thoughts and feelings about it, keep them to yourself. Exactly. So being able to broach the subject. And offering kids some control of some some choices that Mm -hmm. they can be participating in, I think, Mm -hmm. can be very helpful for kids, too. So if you're planning any... You know, memorial type events or activities that's an honor of the loved one, you know, ask them their opinion. Mm-hmm. Get them involved in some of those decision making mm-hmm. processes that they can feel like they have a sense of control too. Are there any, um, I mean, whenever you're talking about grief and loss, um, it, it seems like there are sometimes religious or cultural issues that come up about how different belief systems related to death and possibly the afterlife um, might factor in. Mm-hmm. Is Is there any research yet about traumatic grief and sort of different cultural viewpoints? That's a really good question. <laughs> it just occurred to me. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not as familiar in the research. Okay. You know, there's some research that talks about faith and, um, you know, and, and one's kind of spiritual beliefs and mm-hmm. how that interplays with acceptance of loss and how one grieves. Um, but not as much that I'm, I'm sure there is now, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there are the researcher out there that's mm-hmm. doing it right now. It's mm-hmm. probably like, I'm doing it. <laughs> um, but that, that I'm as aware of that mm-hmm. kind of has looked in the weeds on that. Okay. The research on traumatic grief really is in the past decade is really kind okay. of 
you know, there's been a lot more being done, but there is there is really not a whole lot. Well, and, and it's kind of the the evolution of a of a field, right? Yes. That the first studies that get done are, hey, there's this phenomenon, and here's what it looks like, and then there's more studies, and here's what we should do about it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the yes, but kinds of studies that won't work for this group and that group. And I, I know that the field isn't that far along yet. Mm-hmm. So I've literally, I was just curious. Yeah. So cool. I do think when, especially it comes to mass violence mm-hmm. um, in our community's response and the victim service field's response, that to pay very close attention, though, to cultural differences and, and understand what those are when it comes to death and dying and uh, grief rituals mm-hmm. because if oh, not respected mm-hmm. and and done right, that actually could be more harmful to somebody's grief process mm-hmm. um, than helpful. So I think that's really important to to understand. You know, for you know, medical examiners, for instance, to recognize are there specific religious beliefs that might impact their work and their role um, in their response, and same thing for other victim service providers and mental health providers mm-hmm. as well. Um, as a mental health provider, you know, sometimes in in our training, we're we're not really trained so much to talk about religion, spirituality, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. But as a, somebody working with somebody with traumatic grief, I got to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. S- asking somebody what are your beliefs about life after death Mm -hmm. because it's really important to get an understanding of where somebody views their loved one right now Mm -hmm. um what are their views on their religious beliefs and and their faith and how that's been impacted by the loss Mm -hmm. Um, because it can be an area to bolster support um, but it also could be an area that might be a a conflict for that person or you know getting in the way of their of their loss that's great advice we're sort of tiptoeing around mental health and interventions Mm -hmm. and and this is sort of the last thing i wanted to to ask you about um are we at a point yet in the research uh, where we know about how to help someone who maybe has tried some of the Mm self-help things that you've suggested but isn't really making a lot of progress Are, are there some tried and true interventions for folks who are going through traumatic grief um, there are. So as we mentioned, grief is a natural process. Mm-hmm. We all experience it. There are some you know, typical responses after traumatic loss that we can potentially expect. That being said, when somebody does lose a loved one to traumatic loss like mass violence, it does put them at risk for some mental health-related problems. So mm-hmm. it puts them at risk for post-traumatic stress disorder, for men- uh, major depression, as well as prolonged slash complicated bereavement. Mm-hmm. depends on the terminology. That you um, that you use in the field, but um, those are some chronic problems that may not be able to go may not go away without mental health intervention, mm-hmm. without some some good treatment. Mm-hmm. And there are evidence based treatments out for the out there for those problems. Okay. So, for instance, for if somebody is experiencing full post traumatic stress disorder PTSD, there's cognitive processing therapy, prolonged exposure, sort of two gold standard treatments. Mm -hmm. If one's experiencing more complicated bereavement, prolonged bereavement type of responses, there's, you know, complicated bereavement therapy out there. Mm -hmm. Um, There is um, uh, some interventions, for instance, uh, one sort of I've kind of molded together, Mm -hmm. brief approach, which is based on pulling together some of these evidence-based approaches to help people cope and manage with, you know, more severe difficulties that they cool. may be having. Well, that sounds like really important work because I know that there are 
folks out there who are every day struggling and suffering with um, these kinds of grief reactions. And um, it's my impression, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that there's just not a great deal of um, sort of evidence-informed practitioners out there who feel super comfortable. Um, not that they're not capable, but right. this is this is kind of not their wheelhouse for the kinds of patients that they see. And, and I think the more folks like you are doing research that can inform what those therapists provide, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Just yeah. general supportive counseling can be helpful for folks that have kind of uh, just general grief. But if they've got more traumatic grief responses, that is Uh, really interfering with Mm -hmm. their functioning and they're developing some of these other mental health problems, then a more structured evidence-based approach, um, you know, will will be be more beneficial for that person. Okay, great. Well, Dr. Reingold, thank you very much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Um, We've been talking to Dr. Alyssa Reingold, uh, professor of psychiatry at the Medical University of South Carolina and director of preparedness response and Recovery. I can never remember all those three things. Preparedness, response, and recovery in the NMVVRC. And um, with that, we'll conclude this episode of the Mass Violence Podcast and ask you to subscribe and tune in next time. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Dan. Um, This is Dan Smith, the Director of Technology and Resources for the NMVVRC. And we'll be back soon to talk with you uh, and another interesting guest. Thanks very much.